Open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you. What do we want to see? See him high and lifted up. Isn't that beautiful? Those words from Colossians. God, would you open a door for us so that the word of God may go out and people may know the mystery. And Natalie, with a group from Youth Farm, doing a missions internship. Why? So that God may open doors for the word of God to go out for people to know the mystery of Jesus. Who would have thought all those years ago when a door was opened for her to join the youth group that now God might be using her to speak life and to speak this mystery to other teenagers, other young people who might one day share their testimonies in church and say the reason that the gospel was shared with me was the obedience of this young lady named Natalie. Like all of us and the impact, the ripple that we have when we are faithful and obedient and God opens a door and then the mystery goes out and does its transforming work. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's very humbling. Sometimes it feels like we have to do the transforming work and God just says, uh-uh, uh-uh, I got a plan for this. I'm gonna do this. And now I'm gonna call up Dallas Block Dallas has come here many times to speak about the work of Rock Solid Refuge. And if you want to talk about a place where they've been committed to God opening doors so that the mystery of Christ can be revealed to people, then how many testimonies have we heard as a church family over the years of that door being opened and a young person hearing the love of Jesus and being transformed forever, right? Your guys' work is all about transformation. So let's give Dallas a warm round of applause and he's going to tell us all about what's going on at Rock Solid. It's always good to be with God's people here. I look forward to reaching out to Darren each year and saying, hey, can I come the last weekend of November again? And sure enough, here we are. So I appreciate that very much. Um, um, as I was getting ready to come, I had to make sure I had the right time to be here. So I opened up your website uh, and church service starts at 10.30. But your top banner is in big, bold words, to glorify God and make him known. Wow, what a statement. And I really believe that those two statements actually are almost one and the same. They're, they're fully linked. Because to glorify God is to make him known, and to make God known for who he is, is to glorify him. This is our great privilege, even as Darren was, was kind of sharing that a little bit, this is our great privilege as God's people, is to glorify God and to make him known. This is our, our privilege, this is our duty, our task um, that God has given us. It's what we will be thankful that God has given us the opportunity to be a part of throughout all of eternity. Um, and so I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and to share with you some of what God has been doing at Rock Solid Refuge as well. So by way of a of quick uh, update and even a bit of in introduction, if anybody here is not familiar with Rock Solid Refuge, this, by the way, is a picture that we uh, get to see almost every morning is the sun rising just uh, from our deck. And so it's just a beautiful reminder each morning that God's mercies are new every morning. And, um, and just to see the beauty of God's creation, uh, that, uh, the God that we worship. Rock Solid Refuge works with 13 to 18-year-olds, um, guys with life-controlling issues, so substance abuse and, and addictions, pornography addictions, challenging behavior, self-harm, suicidal ideation, and depression are the key issues that we 
work with and address. We do believe that God can bring hope into the darkest and most difficult situations. We are working to bring God's transforming love to adolescents with life-controlling issues that they may know freedom, restoration, and hope. I'm not sure I can remember a time in my lifetime and my kids and the youth at Rock Solid and now my grandkids remind me that I'm getting older. Um, I don't remember a time in my lifetime where we've had such a time of desperation, such a time of despondency, lack of hope in our culture and in our society. But we do believe that there is hope and that we need to bring God's transforming love so that people can know freedom, restoration, and hope. We do a lot of things at Rock Solid, uh, activities and events, camping, sports, at graduations, family camp, games, lots of things to build relationships with the guys that we work with. We also have an equine-assisted learning program and riding and those kind of things. Uh, and so it's been a blessing to do uh, these kinds of things that build relationships with the students and really help them um, engage better with the world that they live in. Uh, we've had uh, the privilege of getting actually quite a few projects done this past summer. Uh, and also some of them are still kind of a bit underway. Dave uh, helped bring out a, a machine, a genie lift, so that we could get this barn painted. So this barn was moved a year and a half ago, and last June we were able to get it uh, painted and some repairs done on it and that kind of stuff. So we were really blessed to get that done. We've got this great workout gym that we had some people come and do some incredible work on it so that it could be restored and uh, rejuvenated to be able to be used as a workout gym. So that's the inside of it. As you can see, there's a bit of work to be done. So if anybody is interested in coming and helping us get the tin finished, there's also a little bit of electrical work that hasn't been finished up yet either. You can see on the roof that we still have some uh, makeshift lights. So we'd love to have somebody who has some of those skills and willing to come and give us a hand, uh, help us finish up that project. We were able to move this duplex unit, which is uh, um, both for guests and for staff housing. We moved that a, a year, little, sorry, a little more than a year ago. And over the summer, we were able to get the, the skirting done. Um, it's a full unfinished basement, completely unfinished, still gravel on the floor, but the upstairs is, um, is really quite nice and livable, so we have staff living upstairs right now, but there is some things that could still be done, especially if anybody wants to help us uh, get the basement done. Um, this is an older double-wide mobile that we have there that is for staff housing, and it needs uh, new windows and new flooring. So if anybody's interested in some of that kind of project, uh, we, we have some needs regarding that so that it can be um, a better unit for staff to, to live in as well. I want to share with you just a snippet, and if you're on our mailing list, you'll get probably a bigger version of what I'm going to read here uh, coming up very shortly, but I want to read just a snippet of what a, a mom wrote to us uh, this fall uh, regarding her son having been with us last, uh, last year, and this is what she says. Um, she starts by writing a communication she got from her son before... Uh, he came to Rock Solid, and he said in a text, I'm sorry to do this to you, Mom, but I just can't take it anymore. I love you. I knew immediately that this time he was serious. I told my husband he had to call the police to find him because he was going to try and end his life. He had gotten into an argument with his dad on the phone, which wasn't new. Things with Luke had taken a downward spiral in the past year, 
and we had been fighting with him a lot over his lying and stealing and sneaking out of the house. Through a series of events to apply for Luke to come to Rock Solid, he was accepted into the program. So I'm skipping a bit here, uh, but she writes this. As we drove away from Rock Solid Refuge, having left him for uh, his time with us, I felt such peace. The further we got, the more peaceful I felt. I knew we had made the right decision for our marriage, for our other kids, and for Luke. Luke was a tough nut. And it was probably three months before I felt like I saw any movement in him. And I can attest to that. Um, and I remember thinking around that time that if he had gone to any other program, he would be coming home at that point after three months. And I knew that neither of us were ready for that. By the time Luke finished at RSR, he had the light in his eyes again that I had seen in, other, in the other boys when we had visited. He has his laugh back, his sense of humor, and a positive outlook. Things are not perfect. There are still struggles, but we have all changed so much this past year. We are different people and different parents. Our family is, in, is so much healthier. RSR gave us the opportunity to pause, to exhale, and to regroup. They gave us the tools we needed and the space to work on ourselves and to learn a better way. I will always be grateful to the staff at Rock Solid who made this possible. Their hard work and dedication is unparalleled. And to all the donors, your prayers and financial contributions make this possible for families like ours. I cannot begin to imagine where we would be right now if people like you did not make the financial commitment and sacrifice you do. Thank you for being a part of our story. I always appreciate... Um, when parents give us some feedback like that, um, especially knowing that God has called really his people collectively uh, to be a part of building his kingdom, glorifying God, making him known um, through the work that we do. And it's, it is, honestly, it is such a privilege to partner with uh, congregations and individuals like you here as well. Um, if you've followed us over the last year, uh, you would have known that uh, we've had a bit of a challenging year for sure. Um, we did not have students at Rock Solid over the summer uh, as we had some notable uh, staffing uh, challenges uh, at that time. But God has given us the opportunity to hire the staff we need to reopen on September the 5th. We are blessed with a great staff group who are passionate and motivated to fulfill our mandate with our students. We have both new and returning students this fall, and we are thankful to keep doing this important work. Um, we've got a waiting list. We're telling parents, hey, probably end of March or beginning of April sometime for any new applications coming in. So we have a number of students yet to be brought in in the new year. And, um, and so we covet your prayers, your, your ongoing prayers for uh, what we're doing and the, the families that God gives us the opportunity to impact. Um, how can you help? Uh, if you're not on our mailing list or email list, please sign up at my display table at the back there. We'd love to send you out monthly prayer emails um, and just ways in which you can keep up to date on what we're doing and the lives that God's giving us the opportunity 
to impact. Uh, financially, of course, we need people to partner with us. Partner for Change student sponsorship program. I have those brochures at the back as well. I know there'd be a number of people here that would be uh, sponsors, and I appreciate that so much. Um, you can contribute to a project, some of those projects that uh, we, I showed you that are still undone, um, or uh, Hope Gifts Catalog we have at the back, or Leave a Legacy as well. Um, we also are always happy to get uh, staff um, resumes. Uh, we are looking for, well, youth care worker resumes. It's always good to have. Bible college interns are amazing to have. So if you know anybody that's looking for an internship in an intense ministry opportunity, uh, intense is a key word in that sometimes, but uh, it, is, uh, it is a place that uh, young adults can get a real... Um, a real hands-on, in-person opportunity to impact lives. Uh, we are looking for a teacher still, and in the new year, we have a cook. Our cook is on maternity leave, so we will be looking for a cook just for a, a short amount of time, so that's another opportunity. Um, volunteers are always helpful, and I know I kind of suggested that already with some of the projects, but there's a number of different ways that volunteers come and really bless us. Uh, we do have our website, rocksolidrefuge.com, so check it out. We have some resources there also for parents, um, some videos as well, and an addiction, a series on addictions as well. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to bring that update to you. I want to share with you this morning, as, uh, as Darren was saying, from the book of John. Um, so we're going to be in John, the last part of chapter 11 and the first part of chapter 12 this morning as we, as we see what God has to teach us this morning. And I, I often wrestle with these, the, the deeper motive that drives our lives, because on one level, we can just go through the motions kind of day to day. We can know that it's probably a good idea if I get up in the morning. It's probably a good idea if I eat some meals. It's probably a good idea if I go to work, do something that's helpful and productive, maybe earn a living so that I can support my family. And, and we, we kind of can get into a rut and just do the things that are there to do because we've just done them and that's what we're supposed to do. But what are the deeper motives of our heart? What are the things that drive us to do the things that we do? And so I, wanna, I want us to look at the scenario in John chapter 11 where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and then specifically though, what is the reaction to that resurrection from different people and then the start of chapter 12 is the scenario where Mary anoints Jesus at Bethany and I want us to see a comparison and a contrast to different the two different responses that people have to Jesus and what is at the heart of those responses so as we work towards that this morning um, I like to ask the question, how hard is the human heart? Are we, you know, what does it take for us to change course? Do we as humans tend to look for truth and empirical evidence to base our life on that? But I'm never, I never cease to be amazed at how bent we as humans can be on our own way. 
I will do it my way. I know what is best and get out of my way. We tend to think that our thoughts and emotions are pointing us in the right direction. After all, how could our own thoughts and emotions betray us and lead us to self-destruction? It really doesn't make sense. Anybody experience that? You just want something like really bad and like, like how can it be bad? I really want it. And we see that every day with our students at Rock Solid. It's a mystery how you can sit down and explain logically the outcome of certain line of choices. You know it isn't going to end well. You get up and it seems like you got some understanding there and then things just go off the rails again. How is it that we are this way? One of the members of our church down in Shaunavin a number of years ago, his name's Dave Wyseth, um, he had a heart attack. He was rushed to the hospital and survived. He had no big warning signs, nor was there a family history that would indicate he should be conscious of this very real possibility. For his recovery, he was told he should change some things about his lifestyle. We can probably guess what those things were. A little less bacon... A little more exercise, right? That's kind of the way it goes. So Dave was told that most people in his situation change their lifestyle for a relatively short period of time, then go back to old patterns and have more health complications and many die. They did not heed the warnings and even the empirical evidence of having experienced a heart attack to change their lifestyle. We assume we are the masters of our hearts and minds, not realizing that in this fallen and sin-cursed world, our hearts are sick. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and following, the Apostle Paul writes this, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. How many of us, when we read that passage, we like the they phrases, it's it's them, but actually the Apostle Paul is saying, we're a part of the they. That our hearts are sick, our hearts are not turned to God naturally. Their feet are swift to shed blood. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So, that's our situation. So if you want to change some things in your life, you first have to have a proper assessment of our actual reality. So now to John chapter 11, and in a minute I'm going to start reading from verse 45. But to set the stage for that, We have a number of key characters in this narrative of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So, Lazarus is obviously a key character. He gets sick and he dies. 
Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, who are very close to Jesus and hope he will come and heal their brother. The disciples, mostly along for the ride, observing how Jesus navigates Lazarus' sickness, death, and also the animosity from the religious leaders. The chief priests and the Pharisees, religious leaders, they feel very much threatened by Jesus' growing popularity. So, Lazarus has gotten sick. Jesus is plenty, has plenty of time to get to him before he dies in order that he would heal him, but he rather allows him to die. I think we all can relate to situations where we have called out to God and our request seems very reasonable. In fact, if God were to give us the outcome of our request, it's not that we're asking for something sinful or anything like that. God, just would you, would you please give us this outcome? And so, Mary and Martha are in that situation. Lazarus is sick. Jesus has plenty of time to get there, but rather allows him to die. God is not first concerned about our escape from pain in this world. We all wish maybe he was, right? But that's not his first concern. He is more concerned about our faith in him and our love for him. God is far more concerned about our faith in him and our love for him. As we work with the young people at Rock Solid Refuge, we can see very clearly in front of us day after day that they have a love for something other than God as a primary love. Because think about it. If God is our first and foremost love, if our driving motivation is to glorify God and to make him known because of a love relationship we have with him, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything about every single day. And Jesus is walking Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and the disciples through this situation to increase their faith and to increase their love. Jesus calls out a man from the tomb, Lazarus, who has been dead for four days. He is clearly in the decomposition stage. And Lazarus comes out. There's a lot of scenarios in the Bible that I hope we get to see replays of in heaven someday. This is certainly one of them. Can you imagine being there? Nobody takes the stone away from a grave after four days. Jesus, please don't do that. This is hard enough for us already. We're in full grief and mourning. And now you want us to smell that reality? Jesus, why would you want that stone pulled away? Stone comes away. Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine standing there for a second and going, this is crazy, this doesn't happen. Nobody's coming out of that tomb. But I think his disciples and Mary and Martha are just like, okay, this guy pulls off some pretty crazy stuff. This, whew, 
And Lazarus comes out. Because Jesus wanted it to be unmistakably clear that he was the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the resurrection and the life. Do we know life in Christ? Are our lives primarily consumed with the day-to-day and we kind of show up here Sunday morning because it's what we are expected to do? Or is this just that amazing moment to come together with God's people to be encouraged together so that we can be the church gathered, encouraged, so that we can go out and be the church scattered? But each day, really, we understand Jesus to be our life. Not just Sunday Wednesday night or Friday night but that Jesus is our life so here's the outcome of that John chapter 11 verses 45 and following many of the Jews therefore who had come with Mary and had seen what he did believed in him but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. What are we to do? Isn't it just so interesting? This group of people all sees the same miracle. A dead man dead for four days walks out of the grave. Many believed, but some of them went and told. So the but in there makes me think that those were the ones who didn't believe. They're just like, I don't know. I'm going to stay aligned with the powerful people of the chief priests and Pharisees. I think that's where I'm safer. But, but I, I think we're safer with the guy who can raise people from the dead. Do you, do you agree? I think we're safer with the guy who can raise people from the dead, especially now that we live on this side of the cross where Jesus was raised from the dead. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. Wow. The right response would have been, let's help make Jesus known because everyone should believe in him, right? Glorify God and make him known. We want everybody to know that he is the resurrection and the life. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did, this, he did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into, the, into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. That's us. So from that day, from, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. This guy can raise people from the dead. We better put him to death. 
Logical, right? This is nuts. This is crazy. Why would we not want to promote this guy? However, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, right? Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone were, knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Now can we give the religious leaders a little credit? I don't know. What kingdom do they think they are protecting? Israel's diminished yet somewhat secure place under Roman rule was really what they thought they were protecting. But really they also are protecting their position since the Romans were known to give a level of jurisdiction and rule to the nations they conquered and occupied. They were really protecting their kingdom. This, is our, this needs to be a conscious thought for us continually. What kingdom are we going about building? And it doesn't mean that every person, every Christian, is to be in full-time vocational ministry. If you're building a house, if you're planting a field, if you're whatever it is that God has called you to do vocationally, in the warp and woof of that, God is giving you, I guarantee it, opportunities to glorify him and to make him known, to build his kingdom. The religious leaders were so bent on their agenda that they would not allow their hearts to see Jesus as the Messiah, regardless of even raising someone from the dead. Also, the religious leaders think they are plotting to kill Jesus to protect their positions, but really they are plotting to kill Jesus as a part of God's unmovable plan of redemption. Even in the most egregious sins, God has not lost control. It's a really practical little thought for us this morning. God has not lost control. Man's sin is not more powerful than God's ultimate purpose. In Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says, Many are the plans in the mind of, them, of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now let's contrast that with Mary in verse 12, or chapter 12. So this is the scenario Starting at verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was to, about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. 
Jesus said, Let, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. So, Mary, out of extra- extravagant love and devotion, gives what is most valuable to her, to her Lord. This is our calling each and every day, that we would offer up to God whatever it is that he's put in our hands so that he would be glorified and be made known, that his kingdom would be built. As we know from the narrative of of the Gospels, the disciples had a lot to learn in that regard. And we see the disciples all fall away at the time that Jesus was arrested and this whole scenario plays out. But I love the reality of the great contrast that happens between the time when the disciples all fall away, including Peter denying even knowing Jesus, and when they are commissioned and given, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and they therefore then go from there, and their lives are totally different. For them to glorify God and make him known was the only thing worth living for. And this is our great privilege still. So Mary has a totally different posture, a totally different disposition and relationship with Christ. Her humble, extravagant devotion to Christ is a model for us and is a contrast, again, not only to the religious leaders of that time, but also with Judas, a man who personally witnessed Jesus's three and a half years of ministry and miracles and still stole from the group regularly and ultimately betrayed Jesus to his death, and then Judas' own death and destruction. So, who is Jesus really? Do you know him as God in the flesh who gave his life as a ransom for you? In a gathering like this, we should never assume that every one of us in this room understands that and embraces that. Do you know him? Is he your savior? We are coming up to, Christmas, to the Christmas season when we celebrate Jesus coming as a baby. And as we do, we should never go through the Christmas season without Christ's ultimate purpose in mind. To give his life as a ransom. He is the one human who was explicitly born for the purpose of dying. We live on this side of the cross event Mary, knowing Jesus before the cross, related to him with this incredible, extravagant devotion and humility. Is there anything that Jesus could ask of you that he is not worthy of? Is your love quotient so high that he is worthy of all our love and devotion? A book that greatly impacted me a number of years ago, written by Jean Barsness, which is titled, Anywhere, Anytime, at Any Cost. Is Jesus worthy of that kind of extravagant devotion from you? Or like the religious rulers in Judas, will you do what seems expedient for the building of a different kingdom? This is essentially the question in one way or another that we want and try to pose to our students each and every day. To ask God to give us the privilege to draw them into a love relationship with him. Again, um, I'll 
ask the uh, worship leaders to come on up again, but it's been good to be with you again. Um, I look forward to talking with any of you after the service as well. And again, thank you so much for not only this opportunity this morning, but also uh, the privilege of, of partnering with you um, in the ministry of Rock Solid Refuge. So thank you.